welcome everybody to another episode of 1208-Bit Nerd Church. Nerd Church! It's a podcast in the Jackson Cloud Network. If you'd like to learn more about Jackson Cloud, it's an online church where you can conversate, pray with one another, get to know one another, talk about different episodes throughout the week, including this one. Uh, you join our Discord page on the Discord app. Just go to jxncloud.com, jacksoncloud.com. And you'll find the Discord link right there to hop right in. The other way that you can uh, influence through your comments is by driving our conversation right now by watching us on the Jackson Cloud Facebook page where we are live. And we talk about, uh, I mean, this is live right there and then posted to our... Yeah, like, look, like, if you're watching right now while you're listening, it's weird, but you can see us pointing right here at you and then pointing at the microphone and pointing at you again. So, uh, yeah, that's great. That's something that you could do if you watched live. That's right. And now it is October, and for October, we thought we'd creep everyone out a little bit. So, uh, what are we talking about today, Jamin? Zombies. Zombies. So, uh... Zombies. I, I, I never really, um, I've, I've been into like zombies before, but I've never been uh, the uh, large, like, you know, connoisseur of. Uh, don't, don't say connoisseur. Connoisseur of zombies. Of zombie. Not with the whole thing about <laughs> eating other. Zombies eating humans. Connoisseur is not a word. A conno- you want I've never to been a connoisseur of zombies. Not a word you want to use. No. Uh, so, would you say that you are a, a connoisseur of zombie? Film, uh, film experience, comics. <laughs> um, do do you enjoy a good uh, a, a zombie um, entertainment? As a pastor, I feel like I must say no. But as a human being, I will be honest. I enjoy the genre for many, many, many reasons, and we'll get to that. But I'm kind of specific as to what kind of zombies. Oh, I I would enjoy the genre about so. Before we get to that, I guess, we need to choose what kind of zombies we're talking about. Oh. Because to some extent, you've got zombie conversation from history, and then you've got zombie conversation from today. Which, for the longest time, I didn't think those were like two different kinds of zombies, but... Then I remember a Christian friend of mine at church once I was talking about, like, oh yeah, zombies like, oh, I'm not really into all that witchcraft stuff, and I was like... Witchcraft. <laughs> it's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Any zombie movie I watch, like, it's it's science-based, not, like, spiritual-based, you know? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a fair point. Because, you know, zombie movies today would be more of a um, science fiction, some kind of medical yeah, thing yeah, yeah. happens, or a virus breaks out. Or we find out a Corona virus. has turned <laughs> bad. Bad timing. Yeah, yeah. My, let's away. bring that back. Just Logging to t- away. <laughs> but that that was like I think it even got to the point that the CDC actually made like a guide to fighting zombies or, or to <laughs> should really? there ever be. A, I might be wrong. I'll, let's look it up right now. CDC zombie preparedness. So since we're a church and yes. you're already kind of pulling me in a direction, right? <laughs> uh, is Jesus then considered a zombie? Resurrection is not zombieism. D and D has taught me that. Though I've heard many people call Jesus the great Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead. <laughs> I uh, I don't know so, if that's a fair joke to no, make. No, that's 
That's actually uh, interesting because D&D also has that kind of similar mechanic to where there's necromancy and then there's more of the um, holy magic yep. um, that would be able to like resurrect somebody. Interesting. So like maybe that's something that we're pulling from a spiritual like maybe Christian atmosphere. Um, I know that you know the guy who created D&D, uh, Gary Gygax, wasn't you know a Christian. Gygax, as in Greek Gygus, as in Hebrew Nephilim. Yes. Go on. Yes. Um, <laughs> sort of. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think that there is something there. Um, just him living in, in America where uh, we have a heavy Christian influence and everything. I think that maybe he was thinking of that that idea of resurrection being a um, separate thing from like a, a zombie type of thing or a um, an undead Yeah. Creature. Well, in D&D, what? You... you necromancy raises the dead it's not really them it's just like nope. their body right yep. whereas in a kind of resurrection sense in D&D it's like you're bringing the person back correct which the bible would go further than that resurrection is not just bringing the person back but into a new body that is immortal and uh well that's just powerful druids. that's just druids uh, <laughs> a 20th level druid never dies from age so uh well, that I mean, Jesus, the resurrection from a biblical well, and standpoint, I think called true resurrection. Oh, so well, see, so that's a that's a different thing with a lot of Christian <laughs> understanding. To them, resurrection is I have come back from the dead and I'm alive again. Whereas resurrection is like into a new body. So Lazarus was raised from the dead, but not a necromancy. Yeah, no. Lazarus is put back into his old body. Jesus is like resurrected, put into a new body. And that's probably part of the reason people don't recognize him where he goes around after that and that that new body can do weird tricks like warp into the spirit realm and back out. Okay, okay. So we- <laughs> he goes through walls, stuff like that. You know, that's not things that human bodies do. So so we've set a precedence now. There is a difference <laughs> we've between... We've set a, a weird... <laughs> we've set a weird precedence. There is a difference between resurrection and this... What in D&D we call a necromatic um, reproduction of a body. Um, or then there's the, the, the world, real world, what we try to understand, the science fiction idea of a medical-induced zombieism. Yeah. So when we talk about zombies, the first thing that comes to my mind is that, that medical-induced zombie right yeah and that would be the same for me because that's what our culture does with it yeah but then you do realize that it has had this witchcraft element throughout the ages because when you look at say uh marvel universe every october these there's a avengers zombies edition these are ones that i don't enjoy first off because like there is a clearly like there's this witchcraft overtone to it. Like, it's just pure evil. It's not just, like, science that raised yeah. back to the dead. It's, like, something real grotesque has happened. Also, the pictures are so grotesque, I can't handle it. And I'm surprised to say that with Marvel, but the zombie comics for Marvel are... <laughs> I've honestly, I've never read into the zombie comics. Like, I've seen them for before, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the one with, like, Wolverine? Is that one of them? Like, yeah, a whole but, Wolverine, like, it's like, just series? picture after picture is just... So... <laughs> Um, when I, when it comes to zombies and everything, I guess the first time I really like saw a zombie, right in in media. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> the first time I ever saw a zombie in real life um, was never. Phone. But the first time I saw a zombie in media was probably the game Left for Dead. Okay, yeah. Which uh, I don't remember anything about how the zombies existed. It was more just I remember a shoot that, up. like giant one that exploded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that called? Oh man, I haven't played this in forever. Um, it's a big guy blows up stuff. The witch though was the scariest for me. I, I hardly got that far in that game. Okay, yeah, I know there's that one. But like she would like it was just like this little girl that was crying, and then you get close to her and she starts screaming, and she's like trying to kill you, and you're like, oh no, why? Yeah. Um, that's that game. Um, it's it's terrifying. It's uh, terrible for uh, children. So children probably should Pretty much this whole conversation is terrible for children. So, you know, use some discernment (laughs) when listening to this in the car. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Hi. All right. So uh, so, what's been your favorite genre then? Because you said, like, ones you you didn't enjoy so far. What's your favorite zombie tale? So, like, I'm not... I don't care for gore much. Like, when it comes to scary movies, I prefer, like, PG-13. Like, we're showing you what seems necessary to the line, you know? Yeah. But, like, I understand in a zombie movie, it's going to hard to stay PG-13 because the whole thing's, like, terrifying from the beginning. Yeah. But, like, my favorite kind of genre of zombie, while I enjoy the comedy version, you know, like, Shaun of the Dead or... Um, um, zombie land things oh, like that land, yeah. like those are kind of like the comedic elements to it but my favorite would be something like the walking dead and the reason for that is it paints just this like from the very beginning of zombie movies you have to answer this moral question my friend comes back to life do i truly believe they're completely gone or do i think there's a moment that i could save them or a cure could come around for this or am i going to lock them up in a barn and you see these stories told in zombie things and until i can fix them or am i willing to uh take out a zombie if i know them personally before that happens so i i enjoy like the moral ethical dilemmas that come in a way that only zombie movies can tell and like the walking dead is basically that exploded every ethical moral (laughs) dilemma you could face is right at the beginning to the point that like by the end of several seasons you're like hang on are the people that i enjoyed this whole time are they even the good guys anymore because they were when it started but like the things that the only way that you're around by the end of all of this moral dilemma is because you've crossed the line far too many times. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think with The Walking Dead, because I have read um, some of the the graphic novels for it, I have um, I have taken some time and watched the show up to, like, season, I don't know, three or four. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it got boring for me after that point. I, I feel it like does they, eventually drag. The show, for sure. Um, the graphic novels, though, I have never felt like that slowed down, ever. No, and those are somehow even more disturbing. Yeah, they're way disturbing. There are a few scenes in the graphic novels that are like book closing scenes where you're like, I can't read this anymore. Yeah, you know? I've. Uh, There's like three in particular that are way too much. The to, prison. Yes, was that's one of exactly the what came to my mind. Yeah. So like, I don't enjoy that kind of like grotesque moral dilemma, but like the more there's a lot of politics involved, lots of. How far will I go to save myself or protect others? How dark can a human being become? Mm-hmm. 
And there's a lot of like dictatorships that rise up throughout that. They're just, you know, yeah. it's just, and I don't care for like how bad the bad guys get. Like it, it gets real gross, but then they tell stories about the bad guys that are like intriguing as well. Cause little moments of humanity shine through them. Yeah. In those moments. yeah you know, like sure. the governor, super gross. But then you find out like he's got his daughter locked up. She's a zombie. Yeah. And he doesn't want her to go. So he's like, what, feeding it or whatever? He's it's like feeding her, treating yeah. her like she's still a daughter. He's kind of lost. Yeah. So there's like that. this, like, oh man, what would you do? Like, oh, look at the humanity behind this villain, and look at what made him a villain. There's this weird, demented, like, love caught in. It's these kinds of questions <laughs> when you come across these, which The Walking Dead does well on many different areas. Like religion is usually framed in a lot of things these days. It's just like. Let's make it look bad from the get-go. But, like, with The Walking Dead, it puts, like, even real, like, religious conversation in. Whether it's quoting Bible verses or making a priest one of your main characters. Who he himself, you'd think he'd be the one who gets it right. But then locks out all his parishioners to die by zombies. You know, it's like, (laughs) with no boldness, no courage. You've got, uh, what's-his-face with the stick. Forgot his name. Yeah. I don't know if you got this far. The guy with the stick. I have I've I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um from Jericho. You ever watched the show yeah. Jericho? Yeah. So with him, like that story for him, he he's there for a while and then comes back. Mm-hmm. Um I, I just felt that really like the in the graphic novels, because the shows I feel like just play it for like this like, oh reveal, he's back kind of a thing. Yeah. But in the graphic novels specifically, it's more of a like Long, it's, it's it's this idea that like he, how is he dealing with what's been happening through this entire? Yeah, life is hard in, in that graphic novel. First of all, um, everything is is fought for, no matter what. Like it doesn't matter if it's uh, just these like you know the few steps you get to the next place. There, when the the first like the show doesn't show it off well, but the first like three seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. Are just like the first volume yep. of the graphic novels, and everything's backwards. People yeah. marrying the wrong people. Yep. That's the weirdest part to me is the graphic novel. Like you're, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And then the TV show, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Usually, people are like, it's just a graphic novel, or you know, the book's way better than the movie, or the movie's way better than the book. Whereas for me, at least me on this particular front, I'm like. They changed everything that would make me outrage, and I liked it both. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, don't you know, know what to do with that. I, I liked, I liked both. Um, in those first, I think the three, the first three seasons were just highly like in the show. At the gore, yeah, totally, always would catch me off guard, and I, I, I didn't really enjoy that. I'm always looking away at those scenes, anyways. Yeah, I get the point. They died. I don't need to see it happen. <laughs> the gore was pretty terrible. Um, but the, yeah, that, that story of like survival and like what humans will do, and where we go when we get to those extremes. I, I think that kind of like we talked about um, a little bit. We talked about Revelation a couple times when we were going through. But that kind of reminds me of how Revelation's a uh, apocalyptic mm-hmm. like literature, right? Um, but it's one of its genres, and. Uh, that's also the genre with most uh, zombie films, right? Yeah. Most zombie... Usually the end of the world type stuff. Yeah. Not that that's what apocalyptic necessarily means. That's more like a 
looking into the other realm of the reality of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But still in Revelation, you're getting this end of the world and the start of the new one, the resurrected world, if you would. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of what happens in zombie movies, too. We're looking to this future... What, what does life look like after the zombie apocalypse, you know? Because that's what they're, they're constantly asking themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the entire, like, especially like The Walking Dead, they're not asking themselves, you know, um, oh, hey, is, um, you know, so this is life now, you know? They're, they're not, they never got to that point. There's always this hope that, like, okay, one day, what are we going to do once this whole zombie thing is over, you know? Once we have control of it. And you see with Alexandria... Um, where they get to that point, right? In the, in the Walking Dead. They get to this sense of they're safe, they're coming back to real life, there's a video games at one point, um, which made me kind of like, oh, this is yeah. interesting, they're safe, they feel comfortable, um, but then reality kind of kicks back in for them. Yeah, and then it's like your little bubble has been popped, you know? It's another element of this is like, life might just work out yeah. now, and then we're reminded of what the world's like outside, which... It's a very American thing. Yeah. You know, for us, we think it's... Uh, Tolkien even does this in his preface to Lord of the Rings when he's talking about the hobbits. He's like, they lived in the Shire and they kind of forgot what the world was like. Yep. Until, well, it doesn't even go there. It's just like, they don't remember everything that brought them the peace that they have. And they wonder why everyone else doesn't have the kind of peace that they have. What's wrong with them? And then, <laughs> then their little tiny Shire bubble gets popped when... And the Shire gets burned to the ground. Yeah. So you... You see this element in a lot of ways, like Corona, I would say, is yeah. it's got that apocalyptic feel. It's not the apocalypse, but it's got that what happens when your bubble of safety and whatnot, like people have giant systems on their house to keep them safe. Uh, you see planes going to giant buildings and you rewrite the entirety of how airports work. Yeah. Every last thing is protected. And then some new form of flu-like thing comes through and all your safety's cracked and you're like, what's reality, you know? And yep. that's the same thing when they get to these places of it was going well and then... And then it, that just intensifies just how far, like, Rick is willing to go to try to, like, no, we had safety once and it didn't work out. So it's just, like, every last thing that you can stop to get things back to what it was right yeah they're trying to constantly fight for something that i think they do eventually realize that it doesn't exist anymore yeah what the normal that they were used to is gone and i think especially now in these times of um of covid and everything i think that's something that we have to kind of learn to embrace and that maybe zombie movies could have could have taught us a little bit of um and zombie you know entertainment in general is that you know, if zombies are there and humans can live through it, you know, we can live through a virus. It's going to have to change who we are and what we do and how we um, how we interact with people. That's, you know, why we started doing uh, the, the Jackson Cloud mm-hmm. is because it's going to that we have to find new ways to interact during these times. And, uh, you know, I think that's just where it's going to have to go. And I think this is a lesson we could learn from this entertainment. Yep. We could take out of it is during a, an apocalyptic like an event it's got to change you in some way, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be, you got to be willing to change for the better. Mm-hmm. You got to be willing to accept what's happening, but continue to go with the, the morals and principles that you've been taught, right? So um, one of the things we see constantly in something like The Walking Dead, we see it in um, 
in like the the Night of the Living Dead and stuff like that is humans begin turning on each other. And when they do that, that's when they're all doomed. Yeah. You know, once humans stop working together, they doom themselves. And that's one of my favorite questions in The Walking Dead. Whenever you run into a new person who's not a part of your camp and you're thinking of bringing them in, there's always this question like, how many have you killed? Yep. And the person's like, zombies? Like, no. Humans. And like, there's this moral, like, they're all at this point where like, there's no way you survived this long without doing something wrong. Yeah. You know? And they always give an answer, and it's never zero. <laughs> and you, you realize, like, everybody has morally failed in this genre. Can they bring it together? And part of the interesting thing is, like, they show time and time again that, no, they let fear run them and make them even more, like, evil. To the point, yeah. like, I, I'm, I'm only on season nine of The Walking Dead. I watch it every... October when it comes out on Netflix so I can binge it in one sitting so I don't have to deal with the waiting and so I don't have all that intensity on my mind all year round because it it actually does affect your mind when you're that caught in it so but uh, like when you look at Negan comes about right so this is this is the cycle of uh, Walter Wink would call this in his uh, kind of like his brilliant theological series on the powers. He would call this the domination cycle. I think I'm saying that right. Where it's like a new evil comes in, you have Negan, but how do they respond rather than try to find some peaceful way? Like Rick's first reaction is out of fear. Let's go kill them all in their sleep, you know? And so they take, at least in the show, they take out a bunch of people while they're sleeping and you're watching this and you're like, this, like, this, Rick, <laughs> you're becoming the bad guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And what happens to that is, like, they try to dominate, which creates more domination on the other side. Suddenly, Negan rises up with a huge army that you didn't know they had. They kill off, like, five main characters in four minutes of <laughs> one episode, yeah. which they've done several times. It's just this constant domination, giving way to domination, giving way to domination, rather than finding a new way or a Jesus way to go about trying to create a little bit of heaven, you know? So, and I think Walking Dead does that a lot where it just keeps showing you like evil gives rise to evil, gives rise to evil, gives rise to evil, you know, what what are you going to do? And, and by the end of season nine or so, you're like, I don't know who I'm watching or cheering for anymore. It's certainly not like the bad guys, but I don't know if my team is the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that I um, I can enjoy about The Walking Dead is the fact that I don't have to be the one to make the terrible decision, yeah. right? This this entertainment character can make the the poor decision constantly. Unless you're playing The Walking Dead video game, yeah, Clementine. Then, then you can that. definitely make. Then the you have decisions. to make all the decisions and Ugh. talk about. <laughs> I didn't play them, so I have no idea. Those are just as intense as the show, man. (laughs) It's crazy. Ah, man. Yeah, I mean, so when it comes to that, right, and we're seeing these characters having to um, deal with these life-changing decisions constantly, they're they're very – it's very grotesque. It's very – terrible and it's very raw and you're seeing emotion often in these uh these actors who are great actors by the way i mean mm-hmm. to be able to show that level of emotion constantly um and it's to feel that real um takes a lot of talent so like when you're watching that and you're you're watching these people going through these terrible times and they're choosing a bad decision 
I don't think this show necessarily promotes any decision. No, no, not right? at all. Right? So that's the thing, is when you see somebody like Rick goes and goes and tries to like conquest someone, right? He's like, we got to take them out before they take us out because then we're going to be safe. He immediately gets punished for it. Yeah. Right? Um, the governor is exacting torture on people, you know? Um, he gets punished for it. Mm-hmm. Like, none of these people that when they do something terrible are being rewarded for it. No. Um, it's, and that's some of the... That's what's... That's what... Even though it's hard to watch, that's what's good about the writing. Yeah. Because I've seen movies where, like, I think... What was that Western with Chris Pratt? <laughs> like... Uh, I've never seen that. What is that? I didn't enjoy it very much. But Uh, at the end, like, they have, out of revenge for one woman, destroyed an entire town. There's bullets and everything. Structures falling apart. And, like, there's this, like, (laughs) you know, moment at the end where all of your heroes are like, we did it. And you're like, look around you, you morons. (laughs) Like, you, you burned this place to the ground and killed everybody over one guy. Like, it's just... That that's often how Hollywood wants to paint yeah. a vengeful story is like, look what vengeance does. And like this is a mad irony, you're like just turn around, you know? Yeah. Whereas Walking Dead's like, look what vengeance does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like Oh man, vengeance in the Walking Dead. Oh. And that's the same thing with The Last of Us Two, which isn't it is and isn't zombie. Uh what's well, it's just a new take on zombies. So you know how there's some bugs that will Basically inject their babies into other bugs, yeah. and then th- those bugs will mind control the thing that they're in. Yeah, that's what the zombies are in The Last of Us. Oh, is that uh, form of fungus of sorts has injected itself into humans and taken over their brains and ultimately taken over their bodies and everything. But like The Last of Us Two was just a huge story in vengeance and proving just the domination cycle of just how bad. It gets and how you lose everything and every decision that you think of like you're gonna win just spirals out of control into new evil. So yeah, we've talked about that before and how you get to play like yeah. two sides of the story, right? And yeah, you see the good guy, the bad guy. You see all their stories and similar to Walking Dead, where you see all the good decisions they make, bad decisions they make. Neither of them are really better than the other person, and yet here they are, like just trying out of vengeance to destroy one another. Hmm. That's part of what the real intense moral side of zombie movies can do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not looking just for like ridiculous stories of action and gore. I'm more interested in the moral dilemmas that come behind these things. Yeah. You know, Resident Evil is going to tell the story of um, corporations and money and chemical warfare which they don't do a great job at telling that story. I mean, you get the idea that there's these this bad corporation, how money corrupts and all this. You get that. But otherwise, those movies are usually just trying to show a really big, like, uh, action yeah. action movie, you know? I'm Yeah, I'm definitely more for that, uh, that intentional storytelling. I do really enjoy that. I think I enjoyed it more in college. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's just something, you know, um, my college brain was more, like, oh, yeah, intense stories and, like, this high, raw emotion um, was really big for me. But now that I'm out of college, um, I may have just gotten dumber. Who knows? Um, I really enjoy uh, just stupid zombie movies. Yeah. Like, Zombieland is just funny. 
You know, well, you got the comedies that are just over the top ridiculous. Shaun, they, Shaun of the Dead, I think, was the first one. Shaun like, of the that Dead. That was that was a genre of its own where you're like, "What's happening? This is yeah. a horror comedy. I don't know what to do with this." But oh, yeah. the second, uh, so like horror comedies are, are great. Um, the second zombie movie I ever saw that had me terrified. I had nightmares of it. Um, but it was so much. Don't watch whatever. So great to, to say. Watch. I guess was it was twenty four days later. Uh, I've seen twenty eight days later. I I struggled to get through that one. I think because there's just very little talking. If I remember, yeah, right. there's hardly any talking. Was that the weird thing with The Walking Dead? That's an entire TV show where like forty minutes of every episode is just silence. Yep. <laughs> Until they find safety, like five seasons in, I'm like, why don't they just make this a thirty minute? Episode. It's a walking it's just, episode. But like you can't stop watching it, yeah, no, even though they're just walking in a forest silently. Because at any time they could they could die. Yeah. And so that's so you're just like on edge the whole like, time. Like, oh man, what's gonna happen? Uh but I, I think that like with twenty four days later, like or twenty eight days later, I can't remember which which one it was. I remember, yeah, like it was like this bird it was when like the bird flu was like a big thing, right? Yeah. And like then these birds started uh like having like this disease that caused people to turn into oh, like, that's right. super zombies, and like they were like sprinting, and you had to have like actual like army like armies there to take them down, and they end up losing. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> they lose. That's, that's twenty eight days later. Yeah, because I thought that was maybe I'm wrong. I was no, young. no. I'm thinking of uh, in um, Brad Pitt and zombies. It's oh, War like, Z. War, World War Z is like. Ridiculous zombies. Well, those are even more over the top. Okay, because I don't. That's what I was thinking of when you explained that. I'm like, what is the, you know? They're like crawling over each other to get over like the Great Wall like, of China yeah, or something. Like, what zombies. is happening? <laughs> and they do it in like five seconds flat. You know, it's just like, oh man, like that movie was terrifying. Just in the sense, like, no, Brad Pitt, you should have died at the beginning. There's right. no way you could escape this. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've never actually seen the entire thing just because I saw like the CG zombies slamming <laughs> yeah. into each other and climbing a wall, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Here. I made it all the way to the end of the theater and fell asleep, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened at the end. Maybe someone can comment, tell me World War Z, what happened. Um, don't they get I, to an island? I think or he something? made a cure inside of. I remember j- glass walls everywhere. It was a fancy like science building. So well, I remember uh, I Am Legend. Oh yeah, well, that's that a zombie movie. That doesn't feel like a zombie movie. That's because it's technically vampires. Yeah, it's vampires. But now you have this overlapping themes again between like backgrounds of kind of like witchcraft type stories with blood sucking stories. So you see like these interesting like parallels between vampires and yeah. zombies to some extent it's but that one if you've never seen uh i am legend stop right here do not watch any further do not listen any further i'm telling you go watch it but then it come is, back and listen then come back and because i still have more to say yeah but i am legend i'm gonna start talking about a lot of spoilers right here someone just left okay good <laughs> come back though um so <laughs> too late you, you, but you got you gotta see it first because it is one of the the best movies when it comes to a heart-wrenching twist that you weren't really expecting. Like, um, man. And the original cut's my favorite because they don't... No, it's the, it's the director's cut's my favorite because they don't actually, like, get a cure, right? Mm-hmm. No cure gets out, really. Um, no one really 
gets anywhere. It's just this this ending of it. But um, the essential biggest thing is during this entire time, Will Smith, I don't remember his actual name. Um, Will is, Smith is yeah. his actual name. Well, okay. <laughs> um, he's like surviving in this apocalyptic world where uh, everything's dying, everything's dead, except for these vampires, zombie things, and a dog. Right? Yeah, his volleyball Wilson. Yeah. And he's going through everything, except this dog is so much more loving and kind. And when that dog gets hurt, I am ready to just like, just, just, just turn off the movie. If Daryl dies, we revolt. No. If, that, if the dog dies, if the dog dies, <laughs> we destroy. <laughs> we destroy. Um, it's just, man. Every single scene is paced well. It just, everything hits you perfectly. But then you're going through this and there's these flashbacks of like his family moving, um, like getting away, going towards um, like trying to get to these helicopters that'll take them somewhere safe um, while this is all kind of breaking out, right? And then in the end, the, if I'm right, one of his daughters, right, has a tattoo of like this butterfly. It has been so long since I've seen this movie, but it is striking a. And then he looks. Reminder. He looks at this one that like he stole, and he finds out that these what he thought were unintelligent creatures, these beings that he was hunting, were intelligent, and he finds out that so much so this is this is his daughter, like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dang it! You ruined it. I've seen it four times, but it's been like <laughs> it's twelve my years. Fault. But he, fi- I told you, you the I told ending. you, Jamin, you're supposed to leave and then come back. Fine, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just when he finds out it's his daughter, and this moment of like, I can't kill them, you know, mm-hmm. like this, this is my daughter now. This is a living being. This is someone. These things are intelligent now. I'm the one. That was hunting and killing these creatures. I'm the bad person here. Right? And he's like, what's the what's the point of making a cure if... You're killing the diseased. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, he's not... They're not necessarily diseased. They're not doing anything wrong. I haven't seen it in so long. They don't do anything wrong. They, they try to, like, turn other people. Oh, okay. But they're intelligent creatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're still human. Interesting. He's he's just... If, if you think about it... Man, I really love this movie. How have I forgotten <laughs> so much about it? He's just, he's just killing <laughs> other humans with just a different type of human. Yeah. Um... And yeah, they're trying to change people. Um, I think that they're forced to, though. By the way, that they are so. Mm-hmm. But like, if you if you believe in like evolution and everything, um, that could be like our us moving forward kind of a thing. Because that was supposed to be a cure for cancer. We're turning into vampires. Essentially, <laughs> um, in the in that movie, that might be de-evolution. <laughs> well, in that movie, that's what like it was a cure for cancer. That's what these things were made of. All right. And so they were immune to cancer. There was no cancer anymore. They're super... They're able to jump higher, run faster. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is they have a problem with sunlight. Mm-hmm. That turns you into vampires because I mean that burns you. <laughs> but it also has the zombie effect of like if they get you, you yep. turn into one of them, um, which not necessarily all vampires have, which is strange. 
Yeah. Well, what what authors do with like the moral conundrum of whatever the disease is is always interesting because, like that one was an attempt to fix something that had a side effect not listed on the the label. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, it might turn you into a vampire and start the apocalypse. You know. No. Oops. Whereas in The Walking Dead, like, it's ways in, and then you see one of your characters die by natural causes, and then they turn. You're like, they never got bit. You're like, we all have it. Yeah. You know, so like, and that's, one of the things that's interesting to me with The Walking Dead is they don't care at all about telling the story of the virus in any way, shape, or form. Not one bit. And I like sci-fi. So that was like always my question. And then the TV show, they tried to make one episode about the virus and that was like their biggest regret is like why do we do that? <laughs> well, I think it I think it did a good job though of saying like we're not going to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Like science isn't going to get you there, unfortunately. Like yeah. it's it happened too quickly. Knowing what happened isn't going to necessarily fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and I think that's what the the story that they're trying to tell is less of like how did it start? What's the mystery? Um, how could we have prevented it? The story is once you're in the situation, how do you deal with it? Right. Yeah. And that's what a lot of zombie it, zombie entertainment is about. Now, I can't talk about zombies. I can't talk about the undead without bringing up Dark Souls. Oh. <laughs> yeah. This isn't, this isn't a zombie Yes, game, they it? are. They are zombies. I haven't played Dark Souls. Because guess so. what? Guess what, Jamin? Even Bloodborne. He's techn- well, Bloodborne's more of a dream, so that's a little different. Yep, you'll get there. Okay. Um, right. So, in... In uh, Dark Souls, uh, you play as the Chosen Undead in the first Dark Souls. You're called the Chosen Undead. And you're undead because every time you rest at these things called bonfires, it's part of the actual lore of the game, um, that this this fire that's there is a part of the, the idea of this first flame that existed um, that is like what life is derived from. That's what like the world has told you so far. The only way that you know how to survive is to pursue this flame that keeps bringing you back from the dead. And that's why all the enemies respawn around you and stuff like that in the game. It's crazy to me because this idea that you're on death, the thing that you are fighting to retain, in the end is actually the thing that's holding you back from being free from that curse. Um, This curse of having to be reborn, this curse of... um, not having the ability to just live forever without dying um, is actually that they don't have to die if they would embrace what is considered darkness. Okay. And the darkness is actually in the abyss. Um, it, it's really interesting because it takes a total like switch from our normal um, from our normal idea of what light and dark in that fight looks like. So it's more like, so there's this guy called King Gwyn, and he has this eternal flame, essentially. Think of it as like life, a life force kind of essence um, that he creates. And with this flame, he gives it to some other pe- part of his flame to other people, and they start creating other things. Um, but there was also this thing called the Furtive Pygmy, um, which had darkness, was born from the darkness with no light. Um, the Furtive Pygmy, Pygmy was given part of the flame, right? <laughs> 
It's crazy. There's Trying so much to follow lore. all this mythology here. I know. There's so much. If you, I, Dark Souls is one of the greatest games for lore. Um, you can look up Vati Vidya on YouTube. Um, he'll go over everything to make it a lot more clear. Um, so I really recommend Vati Vidya. Even if you don't play Dark Souls, it'll give you a good idea of what the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're seeing is this idea that you have to link the flame is the idea. You have to sacrifice yourself to burn it eternally. Um, yep. Just keep being reborn and keep burning. It's interesting that a video game would put lore into how you have so many extra guys. Yeah. Yep. How many have so many lives? <laughs> you ever wonder how you got three lives before you die? Well, we actually turned it into a story. Yeah, it's a part of the story. <laughs> and that's what's interesting to me is because it matters. You yeah. having to go through this struggle of undead, like being undead, being a zombie the entire time. The more that you become undead... The more that you lose your what's considered humanity, and they start asking about that in the second game, to where you start to lose who you were. You don't remember. Do they build that into the game mm-hmm. too? Oh. You don't. Re- you start to lose like health and like oh. all these other things. Yeah. No wonder no one can beat this. They die so many times. <laughs> they have. It's hard, um, yeah. but that's part of the struggle. And uh, I'd love to talk more about Dark Souls sometime. But the the idea of undeath, you you slowly start to lose your humanity and you become this zombie-like creature that just that's called a hollow that goes around and just tries to kill other people for their souls so that they can get their humanity back weird yeah so that's like a that one would be like a spiritual i guess there's, there's no really no science behind that that would be like no a, it's a totally that would be a spiritual. spiritual zombie story yeah which is a little more unusual yeah i mean of course but this is japanese all right so uh, this is a Japanese game that's telling a story in a medieval European setting. Interesting. Yeah, um, which is it's really good the way that they tell the story and how it how it kind of comes about and you know what really is you know they have their thing what's called humanity. What is our humanity? How does it matter to us? Um, when you find out that like killing people doesn't necessarily give you. A, like ton of souls like you don't you don't become powerful by killing people yep. and I, I think that's one of the biggest things in that game is you don't like gain your power from other people you you gain it more from trying to like defend or take back the world and you have a choice of whether you want to be a good person or a bad person in that but um, there are monsters in the world and demons and those kinds of things um, that get slain it's very interesting interesting and then there's Lovecrafting Horror in Bloodborne. I only played one bad guy in Bloodborne, and then it ate me. So the werewolf? I, yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to die there. Oh. I was doing pretty good before that happened. I thought I had just done a horrible job. Okay, good to know. Um, interesting. So on the spiritual route, unless there's... Well, I'll save this for last since we've been talking about our stories and why we like... <laughs> like the genre and what it communicates to us before I switch gears. Sure. Is there anything left that we want on current culture? Zombies be killing. That's it. (laughs) You're just going to catchphrase us out of that. Zombies (laughs) be killing everybody. Yeah, well, so I think what we've tried to do is make somewhat of a case of like, we get that as grotesque, we get that as gross, and that, 
it comes back to the same thing we've talked about in nerd church many times discernment of yeah. the media that you are mm-hmm. absorbing uh, there are some shows that like I would suggest to plenty of you not to watch The Walking Dead you know because it wouldn't match your ability to discern or For like sure. I've I've watched shows where I'm like this just isn't good for me to consume and oh yeah I I have to admit that to myself because I want to keep watching it and there's shows that I've turned off and I would I'm still tempted to go back and watch more of it but I like hold myself back to say no with The Walking Dead it's not the same for me because like I'm not interested in all the gross stuff and I'm looking away from the TV when that comes up and I you know like I'm not I'm not like consuming it for that reason I want to know like more of the story and the morals and the um, just interesting pictures you can paint because I think when you think in these kind of like more intense terms, it helps you to like process in your own life. How would I live now? Like, yeah. Uh, what's his face? I still can't remember his name in The Walking Dead with the stick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a pacifist. Marshall? Uh, no, not Marshall. He was the Marshall Mathers. old guy. I want to say Rob, but I know that's not right. <laughs> Uh, I think that's his name in Jericho, maybe. I'm going to call him Barnabas. Well, Barnabas, then. Yep, Barnabas. The guy with the stick, the pacifist. Like, I'm a pacifist. He's a pacifist. And he lives in the zombie apocalypse pacifistically. Yeah, I love it. And there's some crazy episodes on his backstory getting to that point. Because, like, he just becomes so hardened and so, like, vindictive. And he was becoming evil when he ran into some guys, like, teaching him to, like, chill out <laughs> calm down and and like learn how to live pacifistically in this new world and unfortunately like eventually he he just kind of throws that out the window yeah but but at the same time you're watching and like you feel why because they're at war and and he's about to lose all of his friends and he just kind of ditches his story and like that for me like puts me in like this new realm of like, sure, we're not going to have a zombie apocalypse. Even though I was correct, the CDC has zombie preparedness products. Oh. Zombie preparedness blog for educators, posters, graphic novels. CDC.gov. <laughs> so, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> um, Barnabas. Barnabas, right. <laughs> we're talking about Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas paints that picture in like a new extreme for me. Like, just how far will you go to keep your morals in the midst of incredible difficulties? Wasn't so, he at one point also pacifist against like he wouldn't kill zombies either? Right. I think so. Right. It's been yeah. all, that was a few seasons ago, but like that was a whole nother level of interesting. Yeah. You know, like yeah, I'm pretty sure that's correct. So Man. there's just there's so many stories, and the main question that I think The Walking Dead is always asking is like, who is The Walking Dead? Who's it referring to? Is it the people who are still alive, or is it the zombies out there? Yeah. Oh. And there's just a lot of great questions proposed to us and how we live. And there's lines that do get crossed, but a lot of times it does a good job at creating deeper conversation and social commentary in many ways as well. So with that being said, uh, we'll cross the line now into historically, because I think this may surprise everybody. Zombies in their history, I think, also have a deal to us to speak to us today. 
Um, because Haiti tends to be where a lot of the stories first originated. Um, but essentially, it had these witchcraft connections, just like we see it today. And witchcraft in the Bible is often it's working with drugs. Yeah. You know? Um, so, like, they... Witchcraft, you could go see, like, a person doing witchcraft to, like, get an abortion. For them, they would basically just drug you up until the baby couldn't handle it anymore. So, like, these... It was this dark science, more yeah. or less. And from a Jewish perspective, this was taught by spiritual beings from back in Genesis 6. So, like, Book of Enoch, which is not Bible, therefore not canon necessarily, but would commentate on Jewish thought, at least, and on the Bible, which some Bible writers quote Enoch. Um, but, like... In Enoch, the idea was those angels that came and procreated with human women and gave birth to the Nephilim. In Enoch, they say, like, and then those angels taught us all about astrology and witchcraft and the dealing with roots and all these things. So in the Jewish mind, like, all of this uh, dark science and drugs and whatnot also had spiritual connections mm. type things. And in Haiti, where these cases were coming out of, uh, Michael Heiser has a whole episode on zombies on his podcast called Piranormal. Pier, P-E-R, a normal. Which is more or less, uh, uh, it's paranormal, but what they do is they research paranormal topics from peer-reviewed resource articles. <laughs> and when they were doing their research, what they found was, essentially, they came across... One of the uh, researchers came across different powders that were known as, like, zombie powders or something like that. I go listen to the episode to get deeper, and I'm kind of trying to, like, get yeah, a yeah, yeah. brush. I get it, in. I get it. But, like, some of the powders had... Uh, one of the powders had, like, something from, I think, basically a puffer fish, which is a very, very intense kind of drug that can kind of just shut you down and make you almost appear dead in a certain dose type thing so the way that what it looked like was essentially they would drug up certain people in society whether it was uh criminals or just social outcasts or whatever but they drug them up they would kind of like appear dead but they'd make them be like servants in the fields and plantations and whatnot so you have basically what appears to be zombies but they're like just scientifically, medically, witchcraftily induced to just carry on with the chores and and they're drugged out. It, so like this is where we get the crossovers though. Think of yeah, like yeah. think of prostitutes, right? Uh, they they don't typically choose that lifestyle. And once they're they're enslaved into it with prostitution. Like, the way that pimps keep them going is just to just drugs. keep drugging them up until, like, their bodies can't handle the withdrawal. They don't know how to operate anymore. And so, like, in order to keep a, a lifestyle of such repetitive darkness and scientifically for their bodies to just keep, like, operating on this level that they're at like they get hooked on these drugs that they're forced into by their pimps so like yeah. when you think of ancient zombie techniques with these drugs getting people drugged up to do work you see like we've still created the use of it today hmm. uh, that we use it in things like prostitution and 
that's going to be the same thing with porn then as well. Yeah. Is that you're finding all these things where people are just drugged up and it's zombieism more or less. So you do see like, hey, maybe maybe the conversation of zombies has a lot more application to today when we get into like a almost social justice kind of conversation. Wow, that's yeah, that's deep. Yeah. There's a well, did you have some before I No, go ahead. I was gonna say one of the ways I think you can see this a little more clearly too. Uh, a few years ago, there was a drug called Flocka that started showing up, especially in like Florida and down south. I don't know if you've ever seen any videos on YouTube of people on Flocka. It's like... Like Waka Flocka Flake? That's what a lot of people say when they hear... They're like disturbing videos. They're, they're basically... Some, they sometimes get reported to be like having visions during this time. Sometimes reported... Or sorry, hallucinations... Sometimes reported to like have super strength uh, and all these other type things, but like the way that they're moving just looks pure zombie in the way that we think of it today. Like everything about it. And you look at that and you're like, that's zombieism today, and it's coming specifically from drugs. Now they are not in a, a mental state where they could be doing anything useful for anyone. Yeah. But. You look at it and you see like the zombieism of it. Like, hey, look at the connection between yeah, that mindlessness. Yeah, like they're just lost. Some of them, I think, have been like yelling, "I'm Satan" or things like that. And if you if you've paid enough attention to certain drug stories over time, especially hallucination type mm-hmm. ones, you'll see these weird spiritual connections sometimes between it. So it's not every time, you know. It's not just like someone does a drug and now they're well, no, it's, it's like historically drum circles sim- uh, have been the same way, right? They, you you get high with something and then everyone plays and there's usually a dancer in the middle of that drum circle who mm-hmm. is an oracle of some sorts. I mean, the Greeks used it too, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that if you got someone on drugs and then had them you know, dance around, that was supposed to help you distinguish the future. So... I think that that's yeah, yeah. no. So I, we still have things like we that still have today, that in modern day yeah. where we open up, and again, this is Jewish thought too. Is like this kind of drug stuff <laughs> that taught us how to hear from spiritual beings. Yeah, that's what we call witchcraft, and that's the reason God doesn't allow people to practice it. Yeah. Is like you're just listening to me, you guys. Don't listen to all that stuff. So, um, all that being said, you. You see, like, this conversation actually is more tangibly important to to our world today. And I think we've all seen where people can find themselves in zombie states, not just with illegal substances, but even yeah. with legal substances mm-hmm. where you get addicted to your painkillers too much and it kind of keeps your body in a certain state or keeps your mind in a certain state. And, and we open ourselves up to... Just sometimes minor zombieism, sometimes bigger ones. But um, you see weird spiritual science overlaps, and you see uh, the importance of social justice conversations as well. Yeah, so. I think a lot of people um, would also say that when they're going through times of like depression yeah. and uh, and those things, they feel like a zombie, right? They they have this time where they they feel numb to the world and they just kind of are being passive and very just going through life. I, I felt that way when I was going through it and didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it really does look like that sometimes. It does look like you're just mindlessly doing tasks and you're just kind of doing something repetitive. And, you know, maybe there is something to that, that, that chemistry in our brain, like scientifically, again, we go back to it. Maybe they, they do mix sometimes yeah. into that, right? Because well, drugs are science, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because when Jesus will cast out a demon of deafness, the guy hears. Mm-hmm. What did he do? He did an exorcism. You know, he cast out a spiritual being, but scientifically the guy hears now. So. Yeah. You do have, biblically, there is overlap sometimes. Sometimes just science, sometimes just spiritual, sometimes both. And I think any of us who have experienced depression have experienced that feeling of like, is this science, is this spiritual, is it both? You know, it's just like... Yeah, and if you believe that this is a... This is a fallen world, right? mm, This is a world that... spiritual warfare constantly Yeah, constantly. Um, You can't believe that depression... Is something that God would want for, for us, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, the Bible tells us Jesus came to bring life and bring it abundantly. Uh, and that it's the devil who comes to seeking to kill yeah. and destroy and rob us. So when we look at people's lives being robbed in whatever capacity they might be robbed, we have this um, biblical understanding to join Jesus in the mission of Isaiah that he fulfilled saying... You know, I've come to liberate the poor and the oppressed. This is part of the reason that I'm here. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to continue his mission statement. Not just to love people and love God, but to actually do something for them. Yeah. In the meantime. So what you're saying... people if you don't. (laughs) So what you're saying is... Instead of us living in to, to seek out this this zombification to bring us back to the beginning, mm-hmm. instead of living in that that necromatic, um, this 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 perverted version of resurrection almost, mm. we we need to seek resurrection. Hey, full yeah, circle, right? full everybody. circle. Look at that. Full circle. We so. We actually, so we, we, we've been through it. We see these people dealing with zombification, all these entertainment um, sources, right? We see all of these these people having to deal with this terrible thing. But there is an answer to it all. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's looking to, to Jesus. It's looking back at this, this person who said to turn the other cheek. This person who said to... Um, to not harm others, to to intentionally go out of your way, to be willing to put your life on the line for others, um, and to eventually die and be resurrected. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't get more f- full circle than that. Yeah. <laughs> so there it is, zombies. You thought maybe the conversation was pointless. <laughs> Hopefully by now it's at least struck some kind of a chord, um, but. Uh, I think that brings us to our end. Yeah, I mean... Except Tyler hasn't said his catchphrase of the week. Don't be a zombie. (laughs) Stay Abercrombie. Nope, nope. Now you just sound like an Abercrombie zombie. Abercrombie zombie with no mommy. No, okay. All right, it's been fun, everybody. See you later. (laughs)